Hey everybody, it's your buddy Jack. Hope this podcast finds you doing well. I know it's been a minute. Uh, it's been a minute um, that I've been on here. You know, just life stuff happens, right? Life stuff happens and you try and you try and stay on top of things. And before you know it, it's been a month. Um, so it's been kind of difficult, right? <clears throat> Some of you guys know that... Um, I work in mental health and addiction treatment, and I also facilitate a Celebrate Recovery ministry, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm pouring out to a lot of people each week. Um, don't get me wrong. I love what I do. I love what I do working in mental health and addiction treatment. I definitely love being in Celebrate Recovery ministry. It is a wonderful opportunity day in and day out to share with people. And I truly, truly, truly um, enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's fulfilling, right? Um, I can't take advantage of the fact that I meet people usually on their worst days, right? If they're coming back into our mental health facility or coming back into um, an addictions treatment scenario, Everybody knows about the infamous revolving door, and I get it. Um, but again, I truly enjoy what I do, um, and it does bring me joy, right? Not that I'm excited about hearing about all the sorrow and stressors and difficulties and relapses that people are going through, but I do enjoy having the opportunity to help maybe do or say some things Um, that'll guide them um, towards a better way, right? That's always my goal, is to provide um, a helping helping hand when and where I can, whether it's through work or through our ministry, right? It's just um, an amazing journey, absolutely amazing journey for me. So again, I apologize for not having been in here, but do not hesitate to share Hit the message button. There's a way that you can talk to me, ask questions, share some insight on whatever the topic might be, right? Don't hesitate to do that. I love to talk back and forth and get some insight on someone else's lived experience, right? Because that's all I can go by, really, when I'm sharing um, on different topics um, in a podcast, Really, all I have to go by is, sure, some education. I did go to school in college, right? Um, But my lived experiences as an addictions counselor, my own mental health struggles as well, working in the mental health field, and um, working in a ministry that's designed to be, right? It's a 12-step ministry. Utilizes the same 12 steps as Alcoholics Anonymous. So even through there... Um, my experiences in helping people are kind of what I bring uh, uh, to the table. So hopefully I can share or shed some light on what's going on with you in your life. And maybe it helps um, you come up maybe with some insight on things to change or things to do different, right? Or it's just simply some things that you maybe you didn't know and now you do, Right especially when it comes to dealing with family members of those struggling with mental health issues and or addictions issues. So again, don't hesitate to uh, chat with me. I absolutely 
Love it, right? <coughs> um, I was recently talking to a group of men, because I do men's ministry, and the topic came up about men and their emotions and how over decades and decades men have sort of been taught to or at the very least strongly suggested that you don't share emotion. Um, I don't, I have not ever felt like that's a good thing. Not a good thing. Because you're asking someone to stifle or contain what it is they're dealing with and what it is they're going through, what it is that's hurting them, hurting them or what it is that's got them in an uproar, whether it's anger or sadness or depression, right? When you're not allowed the moment to feel that and walk through it and grow through it, then later it becomes anger. I wish people would understand that, that if you just have taught your kids, your males, your boys, right, to not cry, clam it up, stifle it, contain it, whatever it is that you want to call it, don't do it. Men don't do that. We're supposed to be stoic and show strength and bravery, right? Oh, I think we had it backwards. Because there, I I see it every day. There are there are young men, well, at least younger than me, mid twenties, late twenties, early thirties, that a lot of their mental health issues today stem from having not been able to work through the things they were feeling five years ago, eight years ago, right? Something, some crisis came up in their life five years ago. And they haven't been able to have the opportunity to manage through it, work through it, right? And so today it's manifested some other behaviors, usually anger, usually anger. So I have to strongly suggest that we please encourage our guys, our young men today, our boys, teenagers of today, to find a way to work through those emotions. Some people just don't like to cry and they're embarrassed by it or whatever the case may be. But if you got a 16 year old boy, 17 year old boy, this is where it's tough. They're creeping up on 18, 19 years old, still not a man, but not a boy either. It's a very awkward stage for a guy. And he still feels emotions like a teenager and which can still, the immaturity there can still create the compulsion to cry, the need for sharing that emotion. But now he's 18, 19, and we're telling him to stop it. Don't do it. You're not 12 no more. You don't cry like a baby. All of those things. Only to later have this 18, 19-year-old young man struggling with some depression five and 10 years down the road. It is a big mistake big mistake that we've created this culture um, and I think over over the course of maybe the last decade or so we have kind of gotten away from it a little bit um, I know some guys that feel a little more freed um, and and 
and the idea of sharing their emotions, right? Of course, everybody I talk to uh, at work and in ministry are already in a position to where they need to walk through those things that they're feeling. But just to walk up and talk to any regular Joe Blow on the street, most men are not going to share or show their emotions. And if they do, it's about how upset they are, how disappointed they are, how pissed off I am. Right? Something other than that makes me feel sad. And it makes me cry when I think about it. You know, come on, man. We got to get away from that. Got to get away from that. Right? Let me share this with you. In many cultures around the world, it is considered taboo for men to cry, especially in public. Many people still believe men should be stoic and show little to no emotion. Again, I think we have that wrong. And again, just because you're stifling emotions today doesn't mean they're going to manifest into other things two, three, four years from now. You're creating a monster. You're creating a monster. I really, really feel like sometimes in those young men, the reason some of them are abusive and angry is because they truly feel sad. And over the course of their young adulthood, have been instructed to stifle it, do something else. And anger has been a way for them to work through it. And that's okay when you're 15, 16, 17, but when you're 25, when you're 30, 35, you can't respond with anger in every scenario. As a result of this stigma, many men feel that it's not okay to cry. They might hide their emotions, choosing only to cry in private or not at all. You guys know how I feel about that. You know, if there's any one person I feel like you should be able to share those emotions with or your significant other, especially if you're married. Especially if you're married, if you can't lean on your significant other person, like for me, my wife, which I can, I can completely lean on her and share what I'm truly feeling and tell her exactly what it is that I'm going through. And I don't have to worry about her weaponizing it later and coming back at me with it, right? She can hear me, see me, be sad in the moment. She'll walk through those emotions with me with complete respect. I understand that there, there's another side to this coin. There are some people that you don't feel safe sharing those types of emotions with or around. I suggest you find someone who you can feel safe with especially if the alternative is just to simply stow it away, stifle it and contain it. And then figure out what to do with it when it wants to resurface. Right? 
in a month, a year, two years, when it wants to come up again, but manifest itself as anger, it's too late. Find someone that you can talk to. Suppressing your emotions, including hiding your tears, can be unhealthy. Mental health stigma affects people of all genders. Right? We know there's two genders, man and woman, but you get it. Mental health stigma can affect everyone. But men may be less likely to access mental health due to the stigma. So now you got these guys that you want them to stifle their emotions. Don't cry. You better put it away. And as the mental health damage of that begins to manifest itself as well, we've created this stigma that men don't go find mental health care. We're ruining our young men. We're ruining our young men. Why? I, I don't ask why. I ask why not? Why not drink more, drug more? Or be more physically abusive. Or at the very least, very argumentative and aggressive. Why not? This is why that happens. Because you've talked this guy into stifling his emotions. And by the time he's 25 or 30, he's so crazed in his head about how to work through all of these things that are truly, just because he's stifling the emotion, doesn't mean the problem went away. He is still dealing with and tormented by whatever said issue was. So we're not going to cry about it. We're not going to talk about it. We don't even want to relive the scenario. So the fact that you were hurt, we just got to figure out how to forget it. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. But men are less likely to access mental health care due to this stigma. And guess what? Men may also be more likely to die by suicide. Those dots don't connect for you? I don't know how not. I don't know how how that wouldn't. When you're talking about... Generations of men who have committed suicide, young men, late teens, early 20s, that have committed suicide, maybe on up into their 30s as well, that later we find out they had some mental health issues going on. And I've heard families in my office say, well, I didn't know. We did not know. We didn't know he was struggling with that. He never said anything. Well, probably because in some weird, unique sort of way, you asked him not to. Those things that he's trying to say to you and you go, you know, we'll get past it. We'll get past it. We don't have to work through it right now. We'll just, we'll get past it. We'll get through it. Or why do you keep rehashing it? Let's just leave it alone. We'll work through it. Everything's about doing it later. Only so then you can do it even more later. 
and then it never happens. Crying can be okay. It's okay for men to cry. Crying can be a healthy way to process your emotions, and it can have a range of emotional and physical benefits. Physical benefits. The tension in the man's body releases. He's not so uptight because he's gotten to work through whatever said situation was. It doesn't have to store in his heart. You know how stress? Stress is a killer. And the tension of what he's trying to stifle doesn't take over and live in his muscles, live in his heart, right? Stress, we know, can cause heart attacks, right? Because all of those things that you're stifling have to be placed somewhere. Have to be placed somewhere. So every time you take something sore, whether it's a broken relationship, a death, right, whatever the case may be, and let's say it was a little black nugget, part of some charcoal. And the best way to store it would be to actually open up your heart and stick it in there. How many times did you think you can get away with doing that? before something happens to that heart. It has physical benefits. Hiding your emotions can make it harder to cope with your feelings and seek support. Right? The longer you try to put it away, the harder it can become. Right? The harder it can become. Just go find the help. You know, and shame on you, family. If you're not the kind of family or the kind of spouse that can allow this man to share what he's, what's hurting him, shame on you. Next time he's in an irritable mood in the house, next time he's snippy, ask yourself, instead of asking, what's got you in a mood? Why are you always so mad? Try saying, what's got you twisted? What's been bothering you that's caused this? What have you not shared with me? Because usually there's a, a, <clears throat> a root cause, right? A root cause. So we have to find a way <clears throat> to allow him the space safe space if you burn him he will never share with you again if you embarrass him because of a sad scenario that's happening around other family members or friends he will never share with you again and you've done nothing but add to the hurt nothing but add to the hurt because you've brought it up in front of other family members or in front of his friends. Not a safe place for him to be, spiritually and emotionally speaking. Not at all a good place for him to be. 
It's just the truth. And it's not always easy, right? I get it. Men don't always want to cry. They'll save it for later or they'll go drink it up or drug it up. Or, you know, and maybe, just maybe, you know, in dealing with all the men that I deal with in addiction treatment, I don't really halfway believe what I'm fixing to say. But maybe if they're lucky to have some sort of saddening, deep saddening crisis happen on a Thursday and they can find themselves drinking it off on Friday night and Saturday night at the bar come Monday, maybe they're okay for a little while. Maybe. I don't believe so. I think whatever it is, is just lying dormant, waiting for the next situation for it to be reminded and awaken, right? Because these things pile up on each other. And sometimes it's about social views. Social views, uh, I don't know. We hurt ourselves. I, I really truly believe that as humans, we hurt ourselves. We set this unspoken standard, right? You see it more with obese women, heavy women, right? They've been growing up, made to see what really, really thin models look like and shunned and made of because they don't look like that. There's a couple of heavier models out there in the world today and I think they absolutely look stunning. I don't understand. You can see it. And I'm talking about their whole being. I'm not talking about just their bodies. They're heavier. But they can still be beautiful. Got great hair, absolutely beautiful eyes, great smile, right? All of those things that a lot of men are going to find attractive anyway. Social norms become just incredibly overwhelmingly damaging to society. Social responses to men crying can vary from culture to culture, sure. I come from a strong Hispanic family, and I can be honest, I, I don't recall my uncles crying a whole lot. I don't recall my dad crying a whole lot until recently. Seems like grandkids can soften everybody up, right? But it's kind of a cultural norm. But they also have changed over time. Things have changed a little bit. Not a lot. Because there's still enough of the older generation guys out there, 60 and 70, that help with grandkids and if they've got grandkids that are mid-teens, late-teens, I feel like they're probably still coaching them up to stifle their emotions. I do. I feel like our older generation, if they're in a position to where they already have teenage grandsons, they're coaching them up in the same way. Big boys don't cry. Stop it. Don't cry. 
right? And I wouldn't blame my grandparents. You know, I wouldn't gl- I wouldn't blame your grandparents. It's just something that a belief they've had their whole lives. And again, if they're old enough but still in a position to where they have teenage boys that they're um, you know, attached to family-wise or grandkids, they probably still try to teach that old school mentality. It happens. History is full of weeping men. It happens. It's out there. In fact, in some cases, crying has been seen as noble. Of course, we're talking a long time ago. From medieval knights to the soldiers in a um, in Homer's allied, right? They're talking about the samurai in the Japanese epic, the tale of the Haiki. He's crying. Crying was associated with strength and virtue. Again, we're talking long, long, long time ago. So is masculinity and what it means, is it changing? It's not entirely clear what changed our attitudes towards men crying, because if it was okay way back then, what slowly changed? to where it wasn't okay, right? What happened? I don't know. I can't explain that. Just somewhere along the way, the idea of being masculine meant that we men had to stop crying. It's very strange. Very strange that that kind of thing happened, right? It can be seen as important, to masculinity while crying and emotional vulnerability are associated with femininity. <clears throat> when that happened, I don't know. More recently, with the beginning of um, fourth wave feminism and increasing discourse around toxic masculinity, I know you've all heard that term, Toxic masculinity, right? I know you've heard of mental health stigma. Many people are starting to believe that it should be acceptable for men to cry these days. We've moved past some of those things. I see it. On the mental health stigma concerns, I feel like people are becoming more and more informed, more educated, right? On the men's masculinity and on this concept of toxic masculinity, I think over the last few years we've loosened up on that too. I feel like maybe we're getting better. It's hard to say because in a podcast not too long ago, I shared that I was talking with one of our patients about his mental health and his Um, possible uh, struggles that he might face when he gets home. He was, he's 23. This was about a month ago. He's 23. And his biggest concern was dealing with his parents. They don't believe in mental health issues. I don't know. I don't get it. Because just the fact that he, they don't believe in it 
doesn't change the fact that this young man hears voices and has some delusions and is treated with medication. They cannot believe it all they want to. All they're doing is creating stress for him because he wants to, he wants his parents to be proud of him, right? He wants to seem okay for them, which very possibly might mean that he comes off his medications trying to appease them. But then what happens is the very real mental health issues return and he's back in the hospital. All in the name of trying to please his ignorant parents. I see that a lot too. Increased mental health awareness has also contributed to this shift. I believe that. The National Institute of Mental Health reports that more than 6 million men are affected by depression in the United States every year. 6 million men. Men are also two to three times more likely to have a substance use disorder when compared with women. And suicide is a leading cause of death among men. Mm. I, again, am not sure how someone wouldn't be able to connect these dots. It's clear that men need access to more mental health support, which is why I do what I do and I share my story openly in any group. I don't care when or where. I want guys to realize that it is okay. And I talk about my depression, my anxiety and anger issues. And I talk about my substance abuse, specifically as it relates to medicating my mental health issues. I do share that. Right? So it's clear that men need access to more mental health support, which may start with society accepting and supporting men when they cry. I believe that 100% is going to start with society and societal norms and with society accepting and supporting men more. I don't know. Am I right? I think so. I feel like I'm right. Or maybe I've just become emotional over the years. I'm a little bit of an emotional guy. Right? You'll see that more when I'm praising God and doing some praise and worship or hearing a heartfelt, incredible testimony of someone recovering from all their life's issues. It is emotional, and I'm not afraid to own that. So some would ask, when is crying, or why is crying healthy? Tears have a very important function in your body. There are three different kinds of tears. Basal tears, B-A-S-A-L, continuously produced by your tear ducts to keep your eyes lubricated and healthy. Reflex tears. Release to clear your eyes of irritants 
like debris or maybe you get smoke in your eyes, right? And then there's emotional tears. These tears flush stress, hormones, and toxins out of the body. That's why it's healthy. That is exactly why it's healthy. I talked about stress just a second ago. Stress is dangerous to your body. We just can't see it. I mean, if you had an open chest window, right, where we could see all the damage that stress causes, we'd probably stop worrying so much. We'd probably try to find a way to limit the amount of stress we feel, or at least limit how things affect us, and not allowing it to create a whole lot of stress. We would do something if we could see how it erodes our insides. Something that we have to change, right? As a 2014 review points out, crying can be considered a self-soothing behavior. Crying activates the super long word, parasympathetic nervous system, which puts you in a rest and digest mode. Parasympathetic nervous system. It's the kind of crying that puts you in a rest and digest mode. A calm, relaxing, let's work through it mode. Why wouldn't you want that? It's helping your body relax after a time of stress. There's that word stress again. When you're not suppressing your emotions, you're giving yourself the chance to feel them. This means you're getting the opportunity to process your emotions, whether it's in a positive emotion or a negative one. At least you're working through it. There may be a good reason why people often cry after experiencing pain. The same 2014 review indicates that crying releases oxytocin and endorphins. We know those are really good brain chemicals. These hormones can soothe pain and lift your mood, helping you feel better. Your body is trying to help you. In two ways, it's helping you release the stress through the emotion and the crying, which then tells your body to release these other home hormones that help with pain and mood. Your body's oh my gosh, y'all hearing me? Your body's designed to take care of itself. It knows it needs to walk through the pain and the emotion, but it also knows that it needs to create these other home hormones on the back side of that to help with that pain and reset your mood. Man, that's a good thing. Your body's designed for it. 
It's designed to help you walk through the pain. <clears throat> and there is some physical pain to that. You know, there's, a, I forget which depression medication it is. I want to say Zimbalta, but I'm not real sure. There is a depression medication out there that does have a pain relieving agent in it because just feeling depressed can cause real physical aches and pains. It's all connected. Why do men always say, man, my back's killing me. I got some back pain, shoulder pain. Hmm. You got some undealt with emotions you need to talk about, brother? I don't know how you have that kind of physical pain every day. Maybe you need to reach out to another brother that's willing to listen to you. That's a whole other topic. Finding another grown spiritually and emotionally mature man who's willing to listen to you and also not weaponize your thoughts, feelings, and emotions after you share them. Oh my gosh. That is another podcast. Be careful, men, who you share with. Make sure he's safe, sober, right, and has your best interests at heart. Those buddies are out there. Trust me. I got two or three that I can talk to. I can pick up the phone now, and I can be in an emotional stupor. And those guys will let me vent it and talk it out and work it out. Right? And share with me how much they support me and will work with me and be open to talking whenever I need to and not say a thing to anybody else. They're Christian men, of course. The effects of not crying. If you're somebody who tends to hide and dismiss your own negative emotions out of self-preservation, you might uh, have what ex experts call a repressive coping style. A repressive coping style. Repressive coping can have negative consequences. This can be why your man is abusive, even if it's just verbally. He's repressed some things that trickle up and little bits and pieces and little snippets, it manifests itself in the arguing, the backbiting, name-calling. Prayerfully, he doesn't hit you. But that's because of the things he's repressing. Mm. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. And if you want him to open up to you, make sure that he's very clear that you were there for him and not going to use it later. Make sure he understands that you are completely safe to talk to about what is hurting him. Don't blow that because he will not do it again. He will not do it again. And he may not do it with anyone else. And then you got a very moody, maybe even angry man who doesn't know how to share or doesn't feel confident enough to share his emotions. Mm. Thanks for talking or thanks for listening. I appreciate you guys so very much. 
Um, if you're new, thanks for coming. Share this podcast. If you're a returning listener, you know I love you to pieces. And I hope that you have um, a wonderful day, evening, morning, whatever time it is. Be blessed, everybody. Talk to you soon.